Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. Uh, sometimes this happens. We record a podcast and a lot changes in, in the short <laughs> span of days. My goodness, a lot's changed, hasn't it? Yes. Uh, we left you, listener, on Thursday, January the 14th, with a completely different mindset of this little basketball team who has turned around and lost two straight games to Miami and Florida State. Not a great week against the Sun Belt uh against the sunshine state and uh we're gonna talk about it we uh we were just about an hour and a half after um louisville lost to florida state uh 78 to 65 and they um, preceded that with a loss to miami on saturday 78 to 72 we're going to talk about you know what we think about the team uh the the response the poor starts the all the issues that you are upset about we're going to get to them right after the intro Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. Louisville is the greatest. And we're back, Chris. As I mentioned, we are not in a great mood. So let's start this conversation with a litmus test. Where were you? I, I guess we talked about expectations. We had good expectations for his team going into this weekend. Where are you now with this team on a scale of one to 10, one thinking they're going to lose every game the rest of the year, 10, they're going to be there on the final Monday in April. Uh, where are you with this team? Are you in a different place than you were after Miami? I just want to ask you that first and then I'll answer you. Are you in the same spot? See, it's it's weird for me, and this is like a bigger conversation because I, we sort of had an expectations versus an expectations versus feelings. I, I, the feelings part is kind of hard to describe, but I had a higher expectation for this team last week. You know, for what I thought was they were what was possible for them. Um, yeah. I was not going to be upset if they reached those if they didn't reach those spots, if they didn't win the ACC this season, for example, I wasn't going to be upset because, and as you met, you sort of mentioned this after the Miami game, we found some money at some point along this season. And now we're acting like that's money that we, that we were expecting to have and, and, you know, always coming into it. Um, so I think my expectation for the team in terms of the ceiling, I think it's changed. It's lowered a little bit. I thought this team was a pretty clear cut second weekend should be the goal. I can see this team losing in the first weekend just very, very easily now. Um, yeah, that think, would have that would have really like, bothered me before. Now I'm just kind of right. at this point. I'm sort of expecting it for lack of a better, which which is not ideal. <laughs> but um, where where are you at? I guess. I think my expectations in the ACC are probably the same. They haven't really changed much. And I think those are probably going to end up directly like impacting my expectations for the tournament. I'm right on that cusp of second weekend, sweet 16 upset in the first round. I can't like, I was pretty solidly in the second weekend before these last two games. So I'm not sure I can completely flip flop. Um, I think that I was more, I mean, it's obvious an obvious thing to say that I was more frustrated after the Miami game than I am tonight, because I think tonight I was just Louisville not doing the things they needed to do the entire game. And it was blatantly obvious why they lost. I just had that conversation. Like I see a lot tonight of like, there's all these fundamental issues with the team. Like, okay, you don't have a guy who can knock down threes. Yeah. It's an issue. You don't, you have the defensive problems. Yeah. They're issues, but I still think like the big thing for me is like early in the game tonight, you know, you have that first possession. Um, I think it's a turnover for Florida state or whatever. And Moore right. seems pretty locked in on that first possession. Then after then, after that Florida state, just kind of boat racing Louisville from the get go after that. But offensively, I felt like, you know, they're running a high ball screen or they're, they're getting Carly and David Johnson going to the basket. They get a big on them. And then they look like they've never seen a big guarding them before. They just step (laughs) back and take a jumper instead of going to the lane. And in the second half, they were going to the, they were going to the basket and they were, they were scoring. I mean, Burton, I don't want to say at will, but they were getting what they wanted for a large part of the second half. And I think if they're doing that for two halves, Louisville's in this game from the start. And then, you know, my fundamental conversation about what we're having tonight 
win or lose is totally different. So I'm really stuck tonight. I, I, I'm really stuck. I'm, I'm frustrated with Mac for, you know, some reasons we'll get into. That's one of those. But I am, I'm really stuck. I would love to have a very strong take like a lot of people on, on the Twitter sphere <laughs> are having about what this team is and who they're not. But I'm not quite there yet, I don't think. No, you're absolutely right. And, and I, I, you know, you're, you're talking about the beginning of this game and, you know, I'm looking at the shot chart, shot chart, and I'm just seeing a lot of, a lot of missed three, jumpers. a lot of contested, a lot of missed three point jumpers. Um, it's funny, like the, the, like all the, all the three point jumpers are right on the line were just missed. And then the only made one was like a Carly one, which looks like it was like five feet away from the line. And, and David Johnson is kind of a similar distance. Um, Louisville was, uh, was, as you mentioned, the start, it, it just was, was piss poor. And, it, and, and Chris Mack sort of talked about this a little bit. Um, they, they just got punked from the beginning of the game was his quote. Um, we weren't who we needed to be from the start. And if you get bullied by Florida state early, that's a problem. You're absolutely right. You know, uh, they, it seemed you, like you can't, you can't play from behind against Florida you state. can't this play team from behind in general is not built to play behind. They didn't want to take it to Florida state. They wanted, they wanted the game to come to them and they, they want that's, that's not who this team is. And that's not who this team has been against the, you know, when it succeeded. So it's frustrating to see them do that against a team um, that everyone knows you have to, you, you know, you, you have to be aggressive. You cannot be, you can't play passive. You have to be the aggressor. Um, you know, if we want to talk, about the Chris Mack part of that we can you know um we can get to his quotes later because I feel like um you know I agree that that kind of stuff a lot of that's on coaching a lot of that's on Chris Mack and I I if we had started this podcast the second after the game started I would have just talked and been frustrated about Chris Mack the whole time which I think I'm I'm still frustrated but hearing him be upset in the post-game presser if you if you haven't heard the post-game presser I really recommend you listen to it um because I I think that's exactly what you want to see from a, a coach coming out of that it's just it's not to always compare to Rick Patino but it's just funny it's like the exact opposite just you know dude said shit like three times and <laughs> like it's just like he was clearly just mad as hell it took the team 30 minutes before even a player showed up to take questions which makes me think that chris mack wasn't done yelling <laughs> and wanted to finish yeah, his business <laughs> it's like a bit of an exhausting conversation with the fan base after a loss because everything becomes like a referendum on Chris Mack and like it's like okay we're, like, we're three we're three years into Chris Mack he's not going to press his yeah. teams aren't going to force turnovers they're going to play pack line defense and you know we just talked about it when you get behind in games and you are Louisville they're not the same old Louisville teams under Ray Bettino that are going to be able to exactly. mount those comebacks as quickly as possible because they're not built the same way. But the benefit is you're generally in a lot of games that sometimes you don't have any business being in because of the way you play. Exactly. And that's so, I mean, it's a trade off. But tonight frustrated me so much from the Chris Mack side of things because. You, you took blaming it in the pot and in the post game, and I'm that you damn sure should have. Right. His team wasn't prepared for a second straight game, and it's coming after humiliating loss. And you know, it's it's big money, it's Florida State. Th there's just no excuse for that. And I, I, I really don't think there's, I think that that point is exasperated because I don't think. Florida State defensively, I don't I don't know about offensively. It's a little bit harder for me on that end. But defensively, I don't think they did anything different in the second half than they did in the first half. And Louisville had so much more success. It was just more about Louisville being ready to go. Right. And those are the questions that you have. Like, if you want to throw criticism at Mac, go right there. Because that's just not acceptable in two straight games. No, definitely. And I think to speak to the to the 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 Florida State part of it, I think a lot of that, you know, Louisville was able to be, you know, was able to do stuff defensively. That's what that's what kickstarted it. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it it, it wasn't what Florida State was doing on defense, is that Louisville was, as you mentioned, taking it to them. They Florida State had seven turnovers in that in the in the second half compared to five in the first. Uh, I would 
I would gather that four or five of those turnovers were in the first 10 minutes of the game when Louisville was able to really, you know, you know, hang in that game before it got out of hand again. Um, you're absolutely right. The, 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 the Chris Mack part of it, you know, it, it's frustrated. It's frustrating to me. I, I sent, I sent some dumb texts in, <laughs> in the first half and, um, I, I have talked about toughness in regards to this, you know, since the first podcast we had about a Louisville basketball team, Chris, we've talked about toughness and I, my sincere hope was that, and I, I tweeted about it before the game. I said, I'm just, I, I had a bad feeling going into this game just because I haven't, I hadn't been conditioned to seeing a Chris Mack team, Louisville team respond with the mental toughness they needed to after a loss. I just, I hadn't seen that yet. And I was hoping, you know, I, I Carly Jones to me fits the mold of the type of guy who can jumpstart a team like that more than honestly, any player Chris Mack has had. He's vocal, right? Uh, obviously, you know, and, and and he has the experience. I think he was able to do that even more than Dwayne Sutton, who, who, who we always wanted to kind of do that, do that in the past two years. Um, so I, I thought Carly Jones might be able to do that, but even, even Carly Jones was so passive going into, you know, going into the set. Right. We and talked, that's, that's... we talked last podcast about how hard he hits the lane and you saw in that second half, he was able to do it. You know, how many points did he rack up really quickly in that first five to 10 minutes? You know, I, I, I don't recall exactly, but you know, he ended the game. Um, well, first possession of the game, first the fr- possession of the second half, he right. gets it in one. Uh, he had 17 points the entire game. Um, only five of those came in the first half and 12 came in the second half. So in, in, you know, he three of five on the field, he was, he, you know, shot nine foul shots. He was a completely different player in the second half. They went into the halftime and Chris Mack said, are you going to take it to these guys? Or are you going to just sit back? And that's what happened. And, and this team is very susceptible to they're going to go as their lead guards go and that doesn't don't confuse that with saying you know this team is unbalanced offensively because why i do think that is true i'm not sure that's true to the degree certain people think but i think this team is going to follow the mentality of the the mentality that carly jones and david johnson take Mm -hmm. and when they're being passive the whole team's going to be passive. And that's just kind of what it is. I mean, you said he had, you know, 12 points in the second half. He has maybe 24 points for the game. And I I know that's only a, a six point difference, but I still think the whole atmosphere and the whole mood is, is different. You know, he has 12 points in the first half. I think it changes it, it everything. So that's the thing that's frustrating on paper. I, I wrote a little bit about this on paper. This should have been a game that Louisville scored at will and Florida state also scored at will. And it was a matter of who was going to outscore one right. teams. What happened was Florida state shut down Louisville for a half. And to me that, you know, that's, that's just extremely frustrating because I think, yeah, I think Chris Mack knew that, that on paper, he had the guards to beat Florida state. You look at Florida state and, and to beat them, you really want to have a good backcourt. That's kind of the recipe. Um, and I, you know, I, I thought they had that the defensive stuff is a whole nother thing because that's really beginning to become an issue. No, absolutely. And we, we, another game I was about to mention, you know, Florida state on a, on offense, their best player offensively, MJ Walker had two points the entire game and, and he was just able to sit back and distribute and find open men. You have another, another situation. I don't know how many times since Chris Mack has joined, I think it's just, maybe it's part of the pack line, a guy who has, who, who has his career, night against Louisville tonight. It was Wyatt Wilkes. I think his previous career high was 10. He hits 13. He's three of five from three. And let me tell you those two, he missed. He was wide open. Still. There was a white dude from Miami going off in Louisville too. So that's exactly. white dude just going off. Right. <laughs> and like, uh, you know, and we made a lot about this Scotty Barnes. He came, you know, he, he came on and, and, and he was two of four from three. Um, you know, it's 10, but you're absolutely right. The, the, you know, going back to, I'm looking at the shot clock, the, the, the shots right here, Florida state was able to get in close in the paint so much. Like it just, and this is in the Miami game as well. The interior defense, you posted a few pictures. um, Several people posted a few, a few kind of breakdowns of plays. That's just, that's the opposite of what the pack line is. And, and it's, it, 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 
it, it was insane to me how easily that was happening. And then to compound upon that, the offensive rebounds, um, you know, in, how, in, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, how does that stuff happen? You know, it, it took, I've looked at the stats before with like Tony Bennett, because like it took like a really long time for his defense to kind of get installed. But I don't understand to me how, you know, you, you have a third year kind of installing your defensive philosophies and you have your guys. I don't understand how that happens in back-to-back games where teams shred you in the lane. And that is literally on the top of every list. You want to say number one thing that the backline defense does, it keeps teams out of the lane. That is what it is literally built to do. I don't know how that happens. I think some of it is, you know, Louisville is just switching everything defensively. I yeah. think a little bit is just too much for such a young team. I right. mean, everyone switches one through five. And I, that was something I kind of want to bring up. Some of the stuff just needs to be a little simplified, dude. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's a little too much in, in my estimation. I, I don't know. And I think they did a little bit less of that in the second half, but that is something that even the comment, I, I know, I know that, um, that, um, the commentators brought up, uh, there were just a few times and even like that, that one in particular, I, I tweeted, um, you know, about, I think it was Samuel Williamson, DJ and Malik kind of obviously getting in a, you know, getting in a tiff and, you know, it, I'm not, I don't know, like it, it was, I don't think it was quite a fight. I think they just clearly, you know, frustration off, off of that Wilkes dude making a wide open three. And it seems like it that probably was on Samuel Williamson. Um, there just were several times in that first half. It wasn't even just that they weren't aggressive. It, I, I tweeted it. It's like, did you guys, these guys forget how to play basketball? Like there was just so many times. It's just several people at the same time were lost. There were, there was the one turnover with, uh, with I think Williamson and Withers that bump into each other, you know, trying to get a rebound, a simple, easy rebound. And it gets knocked out. It just, it was just like guys were sleepwalking. I I saw, um, I saw Nick coffee mentioned it looked like guys were gassed right away, which I I don't know if that was, that was the case because they ended up coming back. Um, it just just kind of strikes me that they were out of it and and that does go back to coaching go ahead i mean i i don't don't know about the gassing stuff i think that's kind of a lame excuse um i i I do understand yeah and mac did playing mac did mention i mean they were playing their third game in a pretty short span but i know florida state was in that same same like conundrum and being gassed you know that's okay if you're going to fall asleep at the end of the second half you're going to kind of run out of gas at the end of the second half but if you're gassed you don't just get your ass beat from the jump right it's not about being tired right um that's 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 something totally different so i for me i don't really buy that excuse i do want to talk a little bit about just how much we think this team is missing Malik Williams. I think it's something that should be a little bit addressed, particularly when we're talking about, uh, you know, teams getting into the lane over and over and over and over again. He is a guy that, you know, is that kind of rim protection. I don't know. I like for there for a little while, I had my belief, my like kind of like low key hot take was that Charles Midland had a little bit more value to this team than, than Malik Williams did just because of the offensive stuff. He played zero minutes again for the second trip night. So I don't know about, but do you think, you know, having a guy like Malik tonight would have been pretty huge um, and, and some spots for, for some rim protection. So I want to at least mention that. Yeah. And God, there were so many times there, there's so many, there's so many times that I just see this Louisville team. They, they're so poor at, at blocking out. And it was just like, just, just having a guy that's just a dog, you know, grabbing rebounds and, and they don't have that. It's something um, that's something Dwayne Sutton really brought. And like, yeah, you can talk about guards coming to help out and rebounding and Louisville's guards do, a, you know, are some of the best in the country and, and coming out and, 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 and helping, but you know, you got, you, you know, Withers ended up with nine rebounds, but you're still talking, you know, Dre Davis had, since he has two, only, only two rebounds. I can't be right. You know, only two rebounds the entire game. Um, Zero point two, Joe. I don't understand. Yes. Is um, just, just wild. I, I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like Louisville, I feel like is the, the key, 
one of the key stats for them is just like missed like almost rebounds. Like I feel like they lead the ACC in almost <laughs> rebounds. Um, so many times yeah. they tip the ball, they tip they, they tip the ball or, or try and grab a, a ball that they should, and and it just ends up in the opponent's hands. It happened the whole, and that kills you. That so kills you against Florida State. That exactly. kills you against Florida State because, like, they're, they're getting that ball and they're running. There's exactly. no slowdown. Like, they had all those turnovers when they they cut it to, like, what they cut it to, eight or, or seven or six or something like that, that. I think it was like that. Then they committed four straight turnovers. Like, all those turnovers were live ball turnovers. So, it's basically exactly. three points on the other end. Exactly. So, it's like a double kill against a team like Florida State. Um and that's like, you know, that's that's another thing I, I think you can at least mention a little bit is like some of the poise stuff with this team is uh, uh, a little iffy because they had the, you know, they had the opportunity against Miami, you know, no matter how bad they played, they had the the opportunity of Miami with the ball in their hands to to tie the game late right. in the second half. Um, you know, they they lose that possession. I think they had two opportunities and they lose both possessions, never really get it closer again. Tonight they had the breakaway layup to, to cut to six, six or five, I believe. I think it was five points actually. And um it's just a completely like miscommunication. So some of that poise stuff is, you know, something you don't want to see. Maybe that's just kind of like the the luck evening out from uh, I thought Louisville was really lucky early in the season winning games against like Seton Hall and stuff like that. So Yeah, know. the poise and uh you, you talked about that blown layup, that opportunity is like like I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame you're not going to see me blaming Carly Jones, but this, like he got the points, but in terms of ball handling wise, this was not one of his better nights um, playing. I, I think there were a few times that um, both he and, and Josh Nickelberry, man, it was, it was really tough. Um, yeah, Josh Nickelberry is one of those things. It's like, I, I used to joke about Ryan McMahon. It's like, if he's not making threes, he shouldn't play. Like at this point, Josh Nickelberry was so rough defensively. He was 0 for 4 from 3. If he's 0 for 2 starting, just pull him. Like, it's just like, if he he just was so rough defensively. And um, when when they were- I, I didn't understand. To, go ahead. I, I just didn't understand why he was continued to be played. <laughs> I don't know. I th- feel like that was almost like a David clearly wasn't hundred percent. He, he, he jumped out of stuff, uh, you know, limping a few times. Maybe it was that kind of situation. There was something else I was going to mention and I didn't, and I'm, I'm frustrated about it, but yeah, no, Josh Nickelberry, um, has he, did he, did he hit a three against, against, uh, Miami either? I, I don't recall if he did there. Um, I don't believe so. <sighs> No, but the poise. I was really no, kind it, of afraid. But but here's what I was gonna say was that you know if we're talking about you know we're talking about this Louisville team poised and I'm just like thinking it's like how many games did Louisville like impressively win? Like last year? Or? No, this this year. So they're nine and three. Which mm-hmm. of the how many of those wins were impressive to you? Um, the Western Kentucky game. That's what I'm about to say. No, that's what I'm saying. And all the other games, it was, it was close when it should have been close. Louisville again, you know, their best win of the season against Virginia tech. They nearly they nearly blow that game after being ahead 12, what was it? 14 points at its highest with like six minutes left. They nearly blow that one. Um, Kentucky, if Kentucky plays just a smidge better, they win that game. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, they, they ended up winning by 10. So it looked, but it was much closer than that appeared. Um, and, and Wake Forest, they, you know, they, they probably the, the closest thing to an impressive win outside of that. Poise wise, you're right. They don't, we've not seen them for 40 minutes look really, really good and play a complete game. And, and I'm not even or talking really, about being a team by 30 points. I'm just talking about feel like they were in control of a game or take control and keep control. Or honestly play with an edge. I mean, the the last time we've seen this team play with a real edge is against Kentucky, where you have a guy like Quinn Sazinski, you know, doing his thing, talking shit. And you have a guy like Jalen Withers boxing out and grabbing boards and, and owning the glass. We saw a little bit of it today. 
Jalen Withers had that dunk, you know, gets the M1, runs directly into the Florida State player with a little chest bump. And I'm like, we need more yes. of that. I noticed that on the run when they were against Florida State. Like, when they were coming you back. need more of that. Absolutely. When they were coming back from down 24, they, they were starting like they like I think Carly Jones cuts it to like 18 and he's like getting hype and trying to just get people going. I'm just like, why didn't we start with this level of energy? Keep that same energy the whole game. I, I I, if if this team comes out flat against uh, against Duke on Saturday, I, I I'm just I'm I don't I don't freaking. We got a four car alarm situation then. <laughs> but like, to, it's it's interesting though because Max said like, you know, I didn't really feel like they were intimidated, but damn, it sure looked like they were intimidated yeah. for the first five minutes. So I don't know how you figure out that line of my team is sleepwalking versus my team is a little intimidated by those dudes looking like freaks on the floor. I don't know which it is. I think one's more of a problem than the other, but I don't know what the answer was. One other thing that I noticed, I'm just like thinking about how I watched the game is it didn't seem like anyone for the for for that first 12 minutes of the game wanted to take a shot off the catch. Did you notice that it was almost like they were, they were, I don't know, worried about blocks. I don't know. Like there were several, I think that, I think that just, I think that just goes back to like, I don't think DJ took a three to the second half. I think that just goes back to like all the other guys looking at DJ and Carly and saying, how are they going to approach this game? I'm going to approach this the same way because they're the leaders on this team. Okay. I mean, they, they're the unquestioned leaders on this team. So (laughs) it doesn't even necessarily mean to me, I think, you know, high-end games where Lowell's going against high-end talent, those two players are going to have to play well. But I don't think they're going to have to play well for them to play to win every game that they're in. But I do think they're always going to have to have the mentality of, I'm going to get what I want. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if they don't have that mentality, then Lowell can lose to anybody. Because I think their team... And I think they're kind of just follow them. That's that's what they're going to do. And that's what's frustrating. See, yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. I don't see anybody else kind of on this team that's going to have like more of the alpha mentality that's going to be able to overcome that if those guys are having a bad game. I, I You know, I've I've seen glimpses of it from, from Jalen Weathers, but I don't think he's quite there. Quinn has it, but he's not good enough. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think quite yet for it to really matter. So... Let's have the real quick Sam conversation. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say Samuel Williamson didn't make mistakes tonight. I I just I guess I'm frustrated and like I'm biased because I'm the 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 big Sam bus driver right and and, right. and I, I'm not getting off that bus just because that's what it is you know um, just like hashtag you know. Perry trained forever, you know, uh, you know, Perry high forever. Um, who's averaging 12 points a game for UCF, by the way. Uh, just found that out today. Uh, and then argue what well, someone was arguing on Facebook about that. Um, I just, I'm just frustrated that the Sam thing, the fresh, the frustrations that people have with Sam because he was a burger boy have now turned into, Sam is the only one whose mistakes I'm going to identify and everything that goes wrong is because of Sam Samuel Williamson had had 12 points. He was six of nine from the field. He took only one, three. I heard uh, someone replied to you. like, Oh, he missed four threes in the second half. Took one, three, the entire game. He had six rebounds and three turnovers, which two other people on the team had three turnovers. Um, Carly Jones, uh, Dre Davis, and David Johnson had two turnovers. Um, the only thing that frustrated me about Sam tonight was every catch that he got, he never made. And that drove me in. But I said it to you before the podcast. I think Sam's one of those guys that when he misses a shot, you knew exactly who it was that exactly. missed the shot. Because that is who people want to want to make their scapegoat. Louisville, Louisville fans, I, there's I'm sure there's other fan bases, but Louisville fans are very good at identifying a player that's going to get the blame. Uh, it was <laughs> BJ King, it was Bane Blackshear, and that's going to be you know you know Sam even when he has a good game. 
and unless it's just like a dominant game it's unfair and listen he made he made his mistakes on defense he 100 percent. there was you know as we mentioned that argument there was probably two or three you know two or three of those wide open threes in the first half were were his were were on him i'm just i just don't i don't want it my my frustration is is that uh he bears an overwhelming amount of the load for what is going wrong Mm-hmm. and and you're right and like no like you know you get a mcdonald's all-american you wish that he was one of the guys that we're talking about you wish that he was the type of guy that sets the tone and that's not who he is but we have to divorce that from play-by-play expectations and we've you know the majority of this fan base has decided to annoy dre davis and i love dre davis but he's had you know a massive no-show tonight and he's had this is not the first time he's done this i tweeted it after the game it seems pretty apparent to me that you know when dre davis plays really well this local basketball team looks great he played great against western kentucky no coincidence that you know that was probably their best game against uh, the season there was another game he played quite well the, what was the game who, who did wake they force. play before miami Wake Forest. Wake Forest. He played great against Wake Forest, and that's probably Louisville's second best game of the season. Right. Um. So I I think those two kind of go hand in hand. So if we're gonna have that, you know, conversation, I get people have it with Sam a little bit more urgency because he's a two, he's a second year player. I understand that, but let's let's make sure that criticism is spread um uh, evenly. You know. And I think you know, and I, I you know, Chris Mack has has called out Sam. A hundred times, I don't. I'm not, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to cover for him. I, I, he deserves. He deserves criticism. It's just. Uh, it, I don't know, man. It, it, it's 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 it, it's old when when the team is down when the team is down 24 points and all everyone's tweeting about is Sam. That's just like that's. I'm sorry. Like that just that's that's dumb as hell. Found a new that's take. that's dumb as hell. That's unoriginal. That's like you, listen. Sam Williams is not the reason why the team was down 24 points. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> moving on yeah. um uh speaking of what the fans think uh we'll, we'll we'll talk about this right now i actually probably need to update this um i put out i put out a poll as soon as the game was over um asking folks what their expectation is for this season for them now with four options nit first weekend upset sweet 16 or elite eight is still possible or the ceiling is the roof which I, I, someone asked me like, what do you mean by that? And I was like, that's, I mean, and North Carolina won the title of the year they mentioned that. So that's, that's what that means. Um, so I feel like most of all 4.1% of people, maybe 4.1% of people voted the ceiling is the roof and they maybe were just messing around. Um, more the everyone, nearly everyone, uh, 97.7% of people uh, were between first week and upset and the second weekend uh, with 43.4 in the first weekend and 44.3 for the second weekend being still possible. Uh, so fans still kind of seeing that um, a few specific ones, uh, we had our guy real troll bill say an absolute maximum of two very matchup dependent wins in both tournaments, which he seemed to have meant like each individual tournament. He thought an absolute maximum of two, depending on the matchups. I mean, that's the thing with the tournaments, all matchups, I think, um, yeah uh a, f- a few folks. yeah i mean I, I heard someone say before this game that louisville had a pretty small margin for error but outside of gonzaga and baylor i think every team in college <laughs> basketball has a small margin for error so yes. i'm not sure that's very you know groundbreaking analysis but um maybe it is a little bit more you know prevalent with louisville i don't know um i do think louisville's a little bit more matchup based than some other teams but i think i don't know i it, I, I think what you well, said also has a really bad court so they can be a matchup for other games. Exactly. Know? Exactly. It's all about, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's so weird. The fact that they've started these games. So, so poorly. And it's, it's not just been these past two games. It's just been it's so many games. Someone, I don't remember who it was, did an average of Louisville points in the first segment. And there were a few that they scored like 12 points in the first segment, but the average was five points, like 5.1 points in the first segment this season. That's not ideal. Chris, that's that's two buckets in the first four minutes of every game. I yeah, I mean, and it's it's <laughs> it's gonna happen here and there just because of the nature of you know 
college basketball players, but when it's happening game over and game over, you got to ask the questions about what's going on. It's, I mean, that's that's the obvious layup take, but it's the thing that needs to be figured out because until you figure that out, you really can't figure out anything else. Any team that is a top 50-ish college basketball team if you're going to spot them, you know, eight, 10 points in the first five minutes of the game, you're probably not going to win many games. Yeah. Lola's not good enough to overcome those deficits over and over again. They did it against Virginia tech. They did it against someone else. I can't remember who it was. Wake Forest. Um, they, they followed up Wake, Wake Forest. Yeah. So you may do it a few times, but you're not going to do it consistently. It just, just doesn't happen. Um, a few more odds and ends before I think we, we kind of move forward and, and look at what's next. Um, are you ready to put Florida state alongside Virginia in ACC teams <laughs> that we should absolutely fear? Because Leonard Hamilton clearly has, and you, you, you mentioned it, Leonard Hamilton has Chris Mack's number. Um, he was the last person that Chris Mack faced at Xavier, you know, preventing him from get to the final four. And um now it just absolutely owns him here in Louisville. Uh, do you, you know, just curious to you, I, I don't, you know, Chris Mack didn't, doesn't, and I get it. He doesn't want to admit that it's, that it's this bad. Um, do you see it as a scheme thing? Do you see it as a, as a boogeyman Kentucky type thing? What, what, what do you see the issue as? I think he'll have more success against Virginia than Rick Bettino ever had. Um, but I don't think he's going to have much success against Florida state while Leonard Hamilton's there. Um, because like number one, uno thing that you want to have against a backline defense is athletic big guards right. and Florida state recruits. They recruit athlete over talent. Um, they're, they're, they would rather have the guy that's like six, seven who needs more work than the guy that's like a five-star recruit. Who's like six, two, that's right. just, just kind of the way that, um, so I think they're, you know, I think they're always going to struggle with defending them, whether they can score against them is a whole different thing. I don't know. Um, but I did tweet it out after the game, Tony Bennett was Owen for his first four years against Leonard Hamilton since mm-hmm. then he's eight and five. So he figured something out. I don't know what it was, That's a but stat. he figured something out. I like that yeah. stat. That makes me feel good. Um, so now, Chris Mack is 0-4 against Leonard Hamilton. <laughs> um, if he wins the fifth matchup. We'll know. We'll know what's up. That 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 stat better end up on Sports Center. They do not uh they do not play we will not play Florida State again in the regular season. Who knows what happens? I don't know. I everyone keeps talking about ACC tournaments, and that's the thing about like talking about ACC championship is they could come, they could come and say at the end of February that only like the top six teams are making the ACC tournament. And like yeah. what does that does that even count then? Does that count as a title? Um so that is what it is. Um, I'm pretty sure Florida State uh, did uh, did hang a banner for winning the ACC tournament last year. So that's kind of funny. Yeah, they and then didn't someone – was it them or was it somebody that said like number one in the AP poll? Yeah. I think it, I think it was them, wasn't it? Was it them? I don't know. Maybe it was Baylor. Maybe. Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, I I do want to say I am, I'm not ready to put them in the Virginia zone and let's wait till the end of the season, because you're right. I think Chris Mack is having success against Virginia. I want to see how Louisville plays against them. It's so funny that after, like, I don't know, like, I feel like I've seen so many articles about like Virginia tech basketball this week. And everyone's like, Oh, Virginia tech basketball. Like here they are. I'm like, Louisville just beat them. And then now Louisville looks like trash against other teams. <laughs> that's really, I don't really think Virginia tech, but that's just me. No, I don't think, I don't think you're wrong. I feel, but I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just who I follow on Twitter. I follow a few more Virginia tech fans than no, I've heard, I've heard teams. a lot of it. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, 
anything else about this matchup before we look forward? I'm looking, I'm running through the, the Chris Mack, just, just got the Chris Mack uh, transcript on, on card Chronicle and just, just seeing if there's anything in particular. Um, the guy said, did you make anything of the, the players being out first? At first I was like confused by that. That almost felt like a Keon Brooks-ish move to me, but then I kind of realized it was just Chris Mack was, was that mad at other people that he's just like, Carly, I'm not that mad at you. Go talk first. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't, didn't really mean much to me. Okay, no. okay. I guess I overthought that. Was. I overthought that. Uh, a few. I quotes. thought that was the most frustrated that I've. I think I've probably seen him. A hundred percent. He was extremely frustrated. Ah, uh, there was one game last season where he was. He kind of called out Jordan Moore, and it may have been after Kentucky, um, where basically said he was soft or something along those lines. <laughs> and this one, and this one rivaled that one. So I, I do like. That's a one thing I like like much more about Chris Mack is you're always going to know where he stands. He's never really going to be around the bush with it. Um, and as a fan, I I enjoy that. Definitely. I'm going to, I'll, I'll say a few of these quotes. Cause I just, I just think they were gold. Um, and again, if you haven't, if you haven't listened, you, you should, uh, the guy said they followed the game plan. Is that a byproduct of intimidation? Uh, Max says, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's what you're always going to get when you play Florida state, you're going to get awkwardness on the offensive end because you have to drive the ball and you're going to ha- and you have to be able to drive it. You have to be able to get in the lane and draw their help. You have, you have to have the toughness to deliver whether to pass underneath or a spray out underneath a spray out. You have to be able to play off closeouts and we got our shots blocked so early and often to begin the game. Did that really happen? No, but like I, I don't think the I think that a few shots lot that threw me off too when I heard that because I was like yes 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 you're not gonna beat Florida State shooting jump shots unless you're Gonzaga that's for damn sure but I don't remember them getting blocked a lot they got blocked like two or three times and my thing is like you should maybe get blocked like five or six times because that means you're going to the rim. Florida State uh, only yeah, only had five blocks on the game, and and I and that was why I mentioned the kind of like there wasn't a lot of catching and shooting it, it, because that that's and and we saw quite a few fadeaways, and I just wonder if that was something that because I I don't I can go back really quick and look at the last year's game. I remember they blocked the living daylights out of us last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like and, eleven. 11 or 12. Yeah, it was like 11 or 12 last year. And I wonder if it was, if that had something to do with it. Let me, I'm like so close to, um, there was four, I guess four in the game at Florida State, but I think the one at home, um, really close, uh, six, I guess. So maybe, maybe not that big a deal, but there, but, but they stole the ball like seven times that game. Um, yeah, I don't know. that's where sort of it's it's becoming a compounding thing to me where it definitely felt like guys were trying to do things to not have to deal with florida state's length instead of actually doing the things that you that mean you don't have to deal yeah, with florida I mean, state's length. if you're going to the rim you're gonna have more of your shots blocked yes but you're also gonna get fouled more too which um, happened to ton. make you, more plays and yeah yeah it, it, florida state it, it, they they were so bad they're 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 so bad at fouling um this year i know that was something we had talked about um on defense yeah they're they, you know 191st in and and free throws attempted over field goals attempted i mean that's you know that's that's pretty bad um definitely one of the worst in the acc and um if louisville had done for the, 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 you know, the 30 minutes after the first 10 minutes, what they, you know, if they could do that in that first 10 minutes, there were several guys that were starting to get into foul trouble when, when the game was you know, getting tight and, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe MJ Walker has four fouls when you're trying to cut it down. You know, you're trying to keep the game at five points um, instead of cutting it from 12 to 10, you know, like it just, it makes a difference with the game. And um Man, just just I what I my <laughs> I'd give anything for a, a fast start against Duke. Um, any let me try no, yeah, it just it it, it frustrates me because they had the tools to win. I don't think they're gonna have a backcourt like that for a little while. So that's why it like goes back to my question about like them struggling with Florida State in the future. Um, I'm not sure that they're gonna have a, a 
combo of Carlick and David quite like that. Some of the guys coming in, I don't think play the same way. So yeah, that's what frustrates you a lot. Definitely. Um, all right, Chris, the, this, this team has uh, a good five days to figure it out before uh, playing at home against Duke. Um, do they do it? How confident in that are, uh, in that are you? And, and what are your expectations? I know you're, you know, Duke, you know, crashed out of the, well, I think they're already out of the top 25. Um, but uh, they're not, they've not been particularly great. They, they lost to Virginia tech, you know, who Lowell's already beaten. Um, they get, they get to play Pittsburgh tomorrow. So we'll see what's up there. Uh, Pittsburgh, who's kind of riding high now is champagne back. Um what do you what do you what are your initial thoughts? What do you what what are you looking for out of Louisville this week? What do you what do you want to see growth in? I think Duke's to ass, so I think <laughs> when that came, I don't I don't think Duke's very good. Matthew Hurt's gonna get his, but I think that's a really you know, Jalen Johnson's whatever, he's been hurt. I don't think he's still at hundred percent. Um, so those two are gonna get theirs, but I think it's still a game that Duke's a terrible defensive team. They're really bad defensively. Um and I think it's a game that Louisville should win. And if they don't, there's we can then at that point start having some conversations about, you know, this team being fundamentally flawed. Um, so yeah, get off to a good start against Duke or there's serious issues in my in my mind. Yeah, uh, just just taking a look at the fundamentals stuff, you know, Ken Palm just so and so unflexible this year you know duke is 39th they say in, in adjusted defense but they're 256th in effective field goal percentage on defense allowed and that's like yeah so that doesn't make any sense that doesn't make any sense to me uh they're 21 percent in turnover percentage which is 90th and uh 24.3 percent um offensive rebound percentage which is 55th in the in the country and then i mean I know it was a few months ago, but go look at what the Illinois backcourt did to, yeah, to Duke. Yeah. That's what that's what Louisville should do to to Duke. I mean, that's I don't think Louisville's backcourt is as good as theirs, um, but they're on the same level, so they, they should be able to do you know something similar. The only yeah, thing I'm Kim, worried Kim about. Bond, Kim Palm this year has been wild as a side note. Like Duke is still 23rd terribly missing. Like it's absurd. It's, it's, it's absurd, but go ahead. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely, you're, you're, you're right. Uh, I was going to say uh, DJ, I'm just expe- expecting the DJ Stewart game just cause it's like, <laughs> I, I'm just absolutely expecting that. So um, keep that in mind. That's oh, fine. Or Jamin or Jamin Brakefield. You know? Maybe Jamin Brakefield will come in and, and, yeah. you know, I don't know. He's only playing 43.4% of the minutes, um, but starts, starts at the five, apparently. Okay. Or the four, apparently. Um, yeah. I don't know, Chris. I, I, I want to see growth out of this team so badly. I think there's still a season here to be, to be salvage. Um, yeah. And you get if you beat Duke, then you then you get Boston College at home before you got to go at Syracuse and at Virginia. So getting two wins out of these next two games is so important because if you don't, then you're then you're you're potentially staring down a five out of six loss situation. Five what's losses. Really funny, games. Uh, what's really funny to me, I, I literally may be the only person on the planet that feels this way but I'm more confident about Virginia than Syracuse. <laughs> I think the I'm way this team is shooting threes, not, the, I don't blame I'm you because the way this team is shooting threes. I'm not confident about either, but. I, well, I don't yeah. feel confident about at Virginia. I don't know why. I just, we've yeah. never been able to pull it off there given all the success we've had at home. But um, I know that doesn't matter much in the COVID times, but I don't know. I just juju, man. I believe in juju too much. Um, any other notes before we, we shut this thing down? I guess Charles Midland. I don't know. <laughs> Can we at least just mention that? Like, uh, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, Charles Midland. I'm going to mention the name Charles Midland. <laughs> yeah. I said it right. 
<laughs> I keep I keep saying I it wrong. I'm sorry. Before the podcast, I'm, I'm the sorry. Way. I'm sorry to Charles Minland uh, for for wanting to say Miniland or Miniland or yeah. I said I did, I did an award I'm, for a long time, so it's I'm fine. generally yeah. We're even. I got I I got text about that, so <laughs> I never wanted to bring it up that badly. So um, nah, man, it, it, it is what it is. This sucks. It's a bummer. I I was I was not as confident about this Florida State game even before the Miami loss, and so it would have been great to turn it around. Just just not not what you need. It's funny. It seemed like there was a the one of the benefits of well, I don't know if it's a benefit of, of having less fans. It seems like the guy like the fans were a little more um, vocal uh, when things were going real bad, and for the few people report, uh, yeah. some people yelled like, "We're better than this!" Like, like get you get in the game type stuff, which is uh, yeah. a really funny, honestly, to me. Um, but yeah, no, we I'm would be read remiss. you this. Uh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Well, you do you know we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that the Louisville women's basketball team got its first number one ranking in school oh, history. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to mention incredible. that. Incredible. Incredible. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna uh you know, I've I've enjoyed what women's games I, I I've gotten been you know been able to watch. I'm really excited they're gonna play uh NC State at the beginning, who's the number two team in the country at the beginning of next month thing on the second for February first or second. So the NC State game is definitely gonna happen now. That's good. They say it's going to happen. I don't know. Uh, sadly, as as is to be expected, the uh, you know, it's just clear the women's um, you know the women's game in terms of COVID, they're definitely cutting some corners, which is a, a, a bummer, yeah. and I, I I don't love that. Um, yeah, man, we'll see. So so congrats congrats to them, and hopefully the men can uh, can learn a thing or two about some poise and uh, and and mental toughness because. Uh, because that's definitely a team and you know hopefully this is the season it really does seem like dana dana evans was talking about the fact that she she had mentioned to people uh you know people in the program who you know some some alumni that she wanted to be the one that brings it home um a, a national championship it, you mentioned I, I was floored that they'd never gotten a number one ranking before it makes sense i guess when you think about how dominant the it's teams surprising have been. To it's, me, it's surprising to me it's surprising to me and um they weren't yeah so so looking forward to 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 seeing to seeing them continue to dominate uh but yeah i think that's about it we'll we'll, we will reconvene dear lord i gotta read this this totally unrelated tweet um about nothing we've been talking about from jeff passon because i think you'll find joy in it but the newer mets organization i just saw this have a little bit of a time New York Mets general, general manager Jared Porter sent explicit photos, including a naked picture of his penis, to a foreign female reporter in 2016 after she had ignored dozens of messages from him for weeks. Awesome. Meet the Mets. Meet the meet meet the Mets. <laughs> meet the Mets. Uh, it never in this podcast. Absolutely never can continue to go right for, for the Mets. Um sad you hate to see it but um yeah uh thanks everyone for listening you hope you uh hope this helped you out yeah, get a little of the frustration out they'll, they'll turn it around guys they'll turn it around uh until then don't blame Sammy williamson for everything you have a good one guys take care